Planning a trip to one of the great national parks? L.L. Bean went to the experts at the National Park Foundation to get the inside scoop on which parks are the best to visit in each season. Whether you're looking for outstanding scenery, smaller crowds, or unique activities, L.L. Bean, be an outsider. To check out the full list of recommendations, visit llbean.com slash explore. Welcome back to the Final Four is not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. And Rod, the prognosticator of prognosticators, 83 to 67, Michigan State um, just blows them out in the second half. Um, But Rod, this one was fairly close up until halftime, four point lead at half. Um, But the defense really started clamping down, um, even at the end of the first half, all the way through the second half when it really mattered. And just locked them out of this game. It, it did. I, I thought that Michigan State was pretty damn good defensively the whole way. Mm-hmm. I think what changed is um, the turnovers slowed down, but even bigger to me, defensive rebounding improved. That first half, I don't know. I haven't. I haven't looked at the the final stats yet to see how many second chance points Michigan got, but. I know they had way too many offensive rebounds. Yeah. And most of them came in the first half, though. So I think when that changed, and, and then, you know, Michigan's um, Michigan just wasn't as successful offensively. But, uh, you know, you put that all together and, and, and then add in that Michigan State shot the ball extremely well, which I, I kind of figured was going to happen. Mm-hmm combination of this not being a very good defensive team at Michigan and the law of averages after a very rough night in Champaign that, you know, things were going to be different this time. And they were, you put all that together and you have the recipe for blowout and that's, um, that's what we got. So I, I would say this, I'd love to take credit for being a, a seer, or a <laughs> or those things, but I really, I, I felt like this was in the cards when you looked when you looked at the circumstances, you know, mm-hmm. Michigan had been red hot from three. I didn't think that was going to keep up. Not at the rate that it had been. They were like at 55% from three over their previous three games, all of which they won. I didn't think there was any way they'd shoot like that against Michigan State, in part because I thought Michigan State would just defend it a lot better, which they did. Yeah. You know, you saw Michigan State, we've talked about this game plan not a lot. We talked about it going into the Illinois game. When we thought they were going to have Coburn. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's, I think it's absolutely the right move with a team that has a great post player, but also has dangerous shooters. You play them straight up yeah, and take your chances. And you look at the way it played out for Michigan state today. I, I don't think you can argue with the results. So I figured that Michigan was not going to shoot the way that they had. And I then on top of that, I thought Michigan State was probably due for a bounce back game themselves. Add in home court, coming off a loss. How jacked Izzo usually gets this team for the rivalry, and you saw that mm-hmm. when guys were hitting the floor. Um, it, it to me, it just felt like it was going to be that kind of game because I, I ultimately, I don't think you know it wasn't like I was calling for a double digit win over Purdue. Mm-hmm. I don't think Michigan's very good. They're okay. But, you know, they kind of, I think the, the this three-game winning streak 
showed some things in part, which is if they're going to win, they really got to light it up shooting the ball. And I just don't think they have enough consistent shooters where that's a, a tenable strategy going forward. So, you know, consequently, you're going to be, if you're them, you're going to be vulnerable to some nights or days like this where you get your ass handed to you because you're not great. Uh, the and thing not. That, that stuck out to me the most was their guard of the point and, and really the, the perimeter in general. But, man, they were just a sieve on the perimeter. Hogarth and Tyson Walker just got in yeah. any time they wanted yeah. to. They really they really did. And this is, you know, they Devontae Jones, it's funny. I, I've seen some Michigan slappies lately when Jones has been on and, and it's not like he scores a ton as we talked about, but he's been on a little bit of a hot streak in terms of his his success rate at least. Talking about oh, all the talk about, you know, Tyson Walker. Well, here's the thing. And this wasn't Tyson Walker's day. He was okay, but you know, the other point guard which we'll talk about was the guy today. Mm-hmm. Um but there's a big one big, 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 big difference between those two guys. Their shooting numbers, their scoring numbers are pretty similar. Big difference is Tyson Walker guards people. Yeah. Devontae Jones can't guard people. And you saw that. And then the other thing you saw, and and I mentioned this on the Spartan Mag board, and I also alluded to it on Twitter. Today, down the stretch, like whenever they went to it, which might have been at like the seven-minute mark or so until well under the under four, was the best single statement for the potential of the small ball lineup, the one with Hauser at the five. Yeah. Because Hauser worked his ass off. Dickinson got a couple hoops, but Hauser worked his ass off defensively banging with that punk. Mm -hmm. And then on offense, he made him pay. Yeah. Torched him. And Michigan state was torturing Dickinson. I'll use both T words uh, all day. Mm -hmm. Michigan's pick and roll defense is pathetic. It's pathetic because their guards don't do enough of a job. And then Dickinson is, when he gets isolated, there's just not much he can do. If he hedges hard and you get him in a switch with anybody, it doesn't even mean the guard. It could be Joey Hauser. It could be Bainham. <laughs> he can't guard anyone out there. And then if he sags, well, you and you saw how many times did you see Michigan State make him pay mm-hmm. with a three? Hauser did it to him a couple times. Um, Gabe hit that. Gabe bomb. hit that bomb. Yep. But you know, hey, that if if Gabe is unmolested from that, you know, the shot isn't challenged from that. Just take it. Yeah. And, you know, and so I think it. Michigan State was really able to expose the serious, and I don't believe entirely solvable defensive problems that Michigan has. I just, I don't see, you know, I mentioned this before, like, you know, run that. I think they ran one possession of zone and Michigan State scored off it. They got the ball down low to, I think it was Bingham and scored. So they didn't, they didn't fall back into that, but I've seen this movie with this Michigan team all year Mm -hmm. and I see no reason to expect that it's going to change. I think the potential for change might be on that roster somewhere but it needs to mature. Like Frankie Collins, for example, might be enough of a better defender than Devontae Jones that in time, maybe two years from now, when you can roll with him in all respects of the game enough to have him out there on the floor a lot, maybe maybe it's better. You know, um, Maybe once Dickinson's gone 
and they have a they have a center who actually has the ability to get out on the floor and guard somebody. Um, you know, maybe it changes. But right now, with the way their roster is constructed, I, I just don't see the answer. I think what mm-hmm. they kind of have to hope for is they have to hope that opponents either don't have the ability to really make them pay, which is possible in this league because this league does not have great point guard play this year. Yeah. You know, for, for all the questions and, you know, the occasional moaning and groaning about one or the other or both of MSU's point guards, I am here to tell you Michigan State's point guard play is in the upper, upper tier of this conference. When you factor in defense as well, it mm. absolutely is. There are some guys with better numbers, but I, I don't know. I'd have to think about it. I'm, I'm sure there's somebody who's playing better basketball, but not many. Um, so not every team is going to have the ability and not every team is going to have shooters at the big spots to make Michigan pay as much. So it's possible they'll slide by, you know, we've seen them do that, but um, I, I think they've got a problem and it's why I don't think they're a good bet to really go on a serious run and, and beat good teams. You know, I'm not I'm not sure of that upper tier. You know, this, this was really the first game they've played against a, a top five team in the conference, I believe. No, I'm sorry. They played against Illinois and they got beat. So I uh, correct that. So they're 0 for two. But, you know, Ohio State, Purdue, um, Wisconsin. I, I, I don't know if I have a lot of faith in Michigan being able to beat any of those people. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the perimeter defense like that. Is gonna be <laughs> that. It was just bad. It was really bad. I mean, down low they did. Diabate was pretty impressive um, at times. Uh, well, he he had a he had a good game, but <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, he he got taught or he should have gotten taught. I don't know if he's smart enough to to learn the lesson. He should have been taught a lesson by something that happened late in that game. You know, the, and Michigan State just trying to run the clock down. And Max Christie got isolated, went to the rim, and Diabate comes over late and gets the block. Probably should have been a foul. Talking but, smack. And then he's talking smack, and Max Christie's looking at him like he's a 15-year veteran saying, you're down 15. <laughs> yeah. And I thought to myself, well, kid's a freshman. Diabate, that is, fits right in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they got the right guy. <laughs> or they taught him well. I mean, just... Yeah, but he he did play a good game. But uh, he, in fact, I would make an argument that he was their best player. Um, he but, was scowling. Christie was scowling at him like Kobe Bryant used to scowl at, at yeah. young guys. <laughs> that was yeah. that was actually pretty well, awesome. And we know, you know, my Max Christie's what he's like eighteen going on forty. You know, yeah, he's a very yeah. mature guy. But yeah, I mean, come on. But but to give Diabate his due, he he played he played probably. I would say. Michigan fans might differ. Maybe there's a game I'm forgetting, but I would say in terms of overall impact, it might be the best game of his Michigan career. He only had 11 points, but he was efficient. He had nine boards. He had three blocks and he has not been a shot blocker. So he was really the problem on the offensive, on the defensive glass for Michigan state. Yeah. Yeah. Six offensive rebounds. That's what we'll talk about that. That was a, in more detail. I mean, MSU gave up 16, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, that's an embarrassment. 16 to six on the offensive boards. Anyway, I don't want to dwell on negatives on a otherwise <laughs> wonderful day, but, <laughs> but getting back to the main point here. Yeah. I, I think, I think the problem is I don't think Michigan's defense is entirely fixable. 
they could have better days than this, but it, it's going to in part depend on an opponent helping them, mm-hmm. an opponent just missing shots, you know, like Michigan State on Tuesday night. Yeah, you know, yeah. an opponent misses shots, helps them out. Maybe an opponent doesn't have all the personnel to really punish them the way that you know other teams would be able to. Mm-hmm. Um, so all those things are are in play um, potentially for them to help them out on a given day, but. I, I think it's going to be hard for them to string enough wins together to, to really get firmly into the tournament picture. And and then on top of that, it's not even just about that. It's they need wins over good teams. Yeah. And there just aren't, you know, I'll say this man after had right now, I feel it more strongly Michigan state do not reschedule that game in Ann Arbor. Don't do it because there's no way to do it without, it impacting Michigan State's the rest of their schedule, their rest, all of that. Mm-hmm. No way, no way. Don't do it. And and I'll tell you this: with the other Big Ten games getting rescheduled, and that one hasn't been yet. What that tells me, and and I don't know which way it's going to go, but what that tells me is Michigan State is pushing back. Mm-hmm. Not that they're necessarily saying we won't play it under any circumstances, but that they're not going to just suck it up and and play, you know, so in some ridiculous kind of situation, you know, in terms of turnaround and rest and all that. And mm-hmm. and I agree. There's no reason to. Yeah. I'm, I'm they one... showed up in Ann Arbor ready to go. Other team wasn't. That's yeah. it. Sorry. Thanks. See you next year. I just hope it doesn't come down to a first place tie and well, we lose because – of percentage. Yeah, but I'm you know what, uh, honestly, I'm more concerned about with because I think this team has the potential in them to make a run. I don't know where, I don't know how deep, but I think they can win some games in March. And I want them to be I want them to be in optimal position to do that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to me, now, now the thing is, you never have a guarantee what the Big Ten tournament's going to be. You could be there for three days. You could be there for one. That factors in. But I, I just, I don't, I don't see the reason to do it. If you're Michigan State, I really don't. Yeah. Even if it means a losing by a percentage, uh, by winning percentage on a Big Ten title. Izzo would probably disagree with me about that. I'm, I'm sure he wants the Big Ten title if it's there. But. I mean, at this stage, you can't know that. So I think you have to look at it from another perspective, which is that game may or may not matter, but that can't be at the top of the list mm-hmm. yeah. for, for why we're doing it or not. But yeah. anyway, so uh, getting back to the original point here, I don't think Michigan's defense is fixable enough to go on the kind of run they need to go on unless their offense were to carry them. And I and I don't think their offense – I mean, they were they had been on a real – hot streak offensively and you saw today and i think i mentioned it in our pre-games okay you've had a nice run now now do it against a good defensive opponent well we, we saw what happens i mean michigan looking at the stats here so michigan shot 37 percent from the floor 15.8 percent from three Jeez. um you know that's there you go by the way the two teams had the same amount of turnovers. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> 13 of <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you saw, I, I just don't think Michigan, you know, and, and look, they're going to face good. Uh, they're fortunate in this sense that 
Purdue and Illinois, and I think they've got another game left against Illinois. They definitely have a game left or two games left against Purdue, maybe um, at least one. Those are not vintage defensive groups, mm-hmm. but they're still good enough that I think they can give Michigan's offense problems. And same thing for Wisconsin um, and Ohio State, for that matter. It's funny now that I think about it. The top of the Big Ten is not great. I mean, Michigan State really is in that top group. I, I would say by a good margin, they're the best defensive group of those five. But yeah. but anyway, they're, I, I just don't see Michigan's offense being good enough to carry them as far as it would have to to overcome that defense enough to get them in position. That's how I see it now. Maybe, maybe the next few weeks will change things, but. Mm Uh, well, uh, if you look at the, the starters, Rod Christie, uh, 35 minutes, 16 points, three rebounds and assists, five for eight, three for four for three, a block, a steal, only one turnover. Yeah, man, I, he I showed up he in the, great, at the beginning, man. He, really... he had a great game. I mean, he he and Malik really carried things in the first half. And then it was a Hauser and then kind of by committee in the second half. But but he and he and Malik were the guys offensively. But but getting back to Max, what a bounce back game after just a tough night mm-hmm. in Champaign. I, I thought he was poised. I think he was under control. I also want to give defensive credit. He had a lot. The job he and Gabe Brown did on their wings. He spent most of his time, uh, although you know with switches it changes some. But I think primarily he was guarding. Eli Brooks. Eli Brooks was three for 11 from the floor. That's eight points. Didn't even hit double digits. That's showing up and doing a job. In addition to what he did offensively, you just, when he hit that first, that first shot, I saw it, and especially the first three. uh, Okay. (laughs) You can, you kind of get a feel for Max. At least that's been my read on him thus far. You kind of get a feel for him in terms of the shot Mm -hmm. early. There haven't been a lot of games where he struggled early and then kind of shot his way out of it. We haven't seen that gear yet, but when he starts off well, he's usually he's usually there. Yeah. So yeah, really really nice game for him. Uh, and then you look, uh, Gabe Brown, nine points, four rebounds, an assist, a steal. Uh, you know, people were bitching. I saw about Gabe again because he didn't score in the first half, but you know. I keep saying this and Izzo keeps saying it. Gabe is at the top of the scouting report now. And and yeah. there's there's a couple of adjustments that that means. One is he's got to make a mindset adjustment. Understand, okay, I what do great players do? Somebody makes a move to limit them, you counter them. So Gabe hasn't really shown those counters yet, which I think would involve, in his case, probably trying to, to go to the rim on people mm. if they're really hugging him trying to take advantage of overplays, that's easier said than done because we know that's not the strength of his game. He's capable of doing it. He did it today on a shot I couldn't believe was not an and one um, before he finished going down the lane. But, yeah, um, that was but, nice. But, uh, you know, he, so that's part of it. But that's also Michigan State. Michigan State's got to do things to get him loose, to get him good looks. And I don't think they've – fully dialed into that as well now there's a school of thought that says well if guys like max christie continue to have days like today some of that heat will have to come off gabe and that's mm-hmm. true um but i still think there's more maybe and i'm not complaining about the way michigan state ran its offense i think they 
the quality of shot they generated today was massively better than in Champaign. Granted, they were playing a worse defensive opponent, but I thought even in the first half where I thought Michigan guarded about as well as they can, mm-hmm. and that she was getting good looks. And, um, you know, the thing you also got to credit Gabe for, I think, is that Gabe still is not forcing stuff. Right. That's something you worry about, right? With a guy who's been your leading scorer and all of a sudden the water's shot, shut off for a couple of games, does he come out and just start firing? And he has not done that. You know, you look at he, – look, he was four for eight overall, one for four on three. The one he hit was unreal. But, you know, four rebounds, you'd like a little more, but he's contributing there. The thing I really give him credit for is his defensive work. He was primarily guarding um, Houston. Mm-hmm. And Houston ended up with 11 points, three for six from the floor, one for three from three. But I think the important number there is the shot attempts. He just yeah. did not get clean looks. Gabe guarded the hell out of him. And that's, you know, that's what you hope. A senior against a freshman, you hope to see that. And Gabe delivered. So even before Gabe started scoring, and I think all nine of his points came in the second half, um, he was contributing because mm-hmm. of the way because of the way he was guarding. Yep. So I'm I'm pretty happy with his game. I, I like that backdoor lot, although it came out of that zone, so that wasn't like a half court execution deal. Well, I mean it was against the zone, but I I feel like that backdoor lob is gonna be open for Brown a lot. Well, and they've they've done that at times this year, you know. They've they've been better in the high feed lob game than at any time in a while mm-hmm. we i think we've talked we've touched on this before on this podcast it was it was a weird thing that with a point guard as great as cassius winston was and some of the guys you know he had miles bridges he was playing with for two years he had other guys who were you know capable athletes at least around him and including gabe for a couple of years and that was just never they never seemed to have the timing right yeah this group has both walker and Hogard have shown much, much better senses of timing with Gabe, with Markey on occasion. Um, you know, so it, it's it's something that's been there. I, I'm with you. It would be cooler if it was there more frequently. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was uh, – that was against their press, right? They beat, yeah. They, they beat their, their trapping pressure, got the ball in the middle to AJ, and he made the read and, and it was right there. Yeah. Yeah, those gimmicky defenses – got kind of torched in this one <laughs> well and it's not a, it's not a surprise i mean I, if i were playing michigan state what i would not do and this might seem counterintuitive to people because of the turnover numbers but i would not pressure them trap them i don't think that's a good idea michigan state's problems have not come in that area really mm-hmm. they've come when they're relaxed and they make those wtf turnovers yeah you know it's not it's not pressure related and, and I think that the fact is, this is actually two things. It's a very good passing team, because it is. Yeah. But it's also a very good passing team with size across the board. Mm-hmm. So they have, and that does matter. They've got guys who can see over and through traps. You know, that's important. When you've got smaller guards, sometimes that can play into it. If, if your pressure is really limiting their vision, that's not going to be easy or even possible to do against Michigan State because, you know, they use they use uh, Malik and they use Joey as pressure relief. These guys are 6'8", yeah. 6'9". Six, 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 Hogard is 6'... Yeah. Right, exactly. Hogard's 6'3". 
Max Christie can handle, 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, you know, they got a lot of guys with size who are part of that pressure break. Really, the only guy who's not big is Tyson. And with his quickness, he can defeat that stuff just that way sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it was very smart. I, I, my sense was I think Michigan does that not necessarily to force turnovers. I think they're looking to make you use clock. Mm-hmm. But it didn't really do very much of that either. So Yeah. Uh, and then, man, another great game at the four. Um, although Hauser and Malik were out there together quite a bit at the yes. end. But uh, Joey, 23 minutes, 14 points, two rebounds, two assists, five for six, two for three from three. Um, yeah, I'm going to give him awesome. credit for the low rebound numbers because um, especially that stretch down the back end of the game, he was guarding, uh, he was guarding uh, Dickinson. And so – some of that is nece- isn't necessarily going to leave you in an advantageous position to board, but man, yeah. everything else, uh, the way he worked against that guy was top notch. <laughs> Offensively, look five for six from the floor, two for three from three, two for two at the line. He was just about perfect there, shooting the ball. Um, yeah, and just, the cr- I love how the crowd recognized what was happening, and yep. were just so happy and excited, knowing that he was unbelievably overmatched physically, but still yep. held him off and then was diving and getting ball. And he should have had that offensive foul. Yep. Yep. I, Oh, that was a terrible call. Yeah, it when was. Dickinson backed him down. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't, I, I, I did not think this game was officiated particularly well. Um, but, uh, and that was definitely a missed call. I, I, I agree with you completely. I mean, what is he supposed to do? Mm-hmm. He's, he's got, he's established position. The kid is banging him. You know, that's the, that's the thing. If you're, I always talk about this, the, the point, the purpose of a foul call is to not let someone get an advantage by virtue of some act they do, which is legislated out of the game. Right. Mm -hmm. So what happens on that play? Dickinson is using his body, banging a guy who has established good defensive position to create room. Yeah. Thus giving him an advantage. That's enough. Now the, the flip side would be if Joey was, you know, had his hands on him, was banging him as the defender, then he's the one who's trying to gain an advantage there, but it was the other way around. And there was no question from what you could see that he had position established. He was in good guarding position. As so, like Sissoko anyway. in the first, in the first half, I think it was the first half where he had his arm bar out kind of, and they called yes. him on it. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's like, really okay, well, if you can't do that. Right. Then, we're, then all you then have then is your just, body. And if right. you get banged, you've got to call that. Like, Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's one way or the other, right? Yeah. So, yeah. But I, I think just the effort that Joey played with was fantastic. And, yeah. and as I yeah. said earlier, I think down the stretch, that was your optimal version of what that small ball lineup could do. Now you can't, you're not going to have those same advantages against everybody, right? but Purdue. Yeah. Be a card to think about playing. Now I will say even there when Edie's on the floor, there's a difference between Edie and, and Dickinson. I mean, Edie is just, uh, just a massive, massive human being, but he also like Dickinson can't move. 
Right. And Purdue, like Michigan, is not a very good defensive team. So it's something to keep in the back of your mind. And we're seeing Michigan State go to this lineup. We saw them go to it in Champaign. And down defensively, the stretch. yeah, defensively, it was part of that 530 shutout mm-hmm. from, you know, to the end of the game that allowed MSU to have a chance. So it's working. I think it's it's a card. And, you know, and I was not all that upset with Julius Marble's minutes today. Yeah. I, so it yeah. wasn't just because of that. But um, but it's yeah, keep your eye on it, because when when it's clicking that way, when Joey's working like that on defense and he's able because of a matchup to really punish a bigger, slower guy that can't get out on the floor, can't guard him. That's trouble for yeah. opponents because so it's five, a nice card he, to have in the deck. Yeah, he's he's going to have a wide open looks at the five. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, and big guys. you, you should, and you should get those. And then it comes down to, can he hit enough of them? Well, he's been shooting better of late. I mean, it's been inconsistent, but I think overall he's been better than he was early in the year. And today mm-hmm. he was great. Uh, and then Marky 16 minutes in this one, um, got a fourth foul, uh, which I, four, yeah, four points, eight rebounds, two for four, four blocks, two steals. Um, yeah. I, I thought he was really good. I was mm-hmm. really good the minutes he played. I thought it was unfortunate foul trouble took him out of it, and then you know down the stretch, MSU just didn't have a reason to put him back in yeah. because the the margin was was big enough. Uh, I think if it had not been for the foul trouble, you would have seen his minutes ticking back up over twenty, mm-hmm. which would be a good sign. And and he looked energized the whole time he played. I, I liked the way he played. I really did. I thought he he competed against. Dickinson, you know, the, the weight advantage gives Dickinson an, an edge in some ways, but you know, Marky at four blocks too. four yeah. block, a block every four minutes. That's a pretty, that's <laughs> a pretty good rate yeah. and eight rebounds and six. I mean, he was getting a rebound every two minutes on the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was one guy who held up. And I, I actually, I think maybe now that I think about it, part of MSU's defensive rebounding problems might be attributable to that that Mark, he just didn't play enough because he was one guy who was absolutely doing the job there, mm-hmm. you know, and offensively, I mean, he didn't do a lot, but you know, he missed the, the two shots he missed were the threes, which were, they were open. I don't think they were terrible shots. I yeah. think they were great, but man, the two shots he hit, those were impressive, impressive, like half hooks. Mm-hmm. Those were, those were good, good takes. Um, so I'm, I think, I think the, the comeback train is still on the track yeah. with Marcus Maynard. That's how I feel after this one. I thought he played well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyson Walker, 16 minutes, seven points, one rebound, one assist to three turnovers. Yeah, not a, not a great day for him, but I, I will say, uh, two things that I really liked from him. I, I did think he was good defensively. But the two things I really liked from him on offense, uh, that last possession of the first half, they got Dickinson on a switch and pick and roll. Yeah. And he torched him for a three. Mm-hmm. Just used his dribble, was patient, lined it up, knew who he had on him, and made him pay. That is something not just against Michigan, if MSU were to see them again, but also, again, against a Purdue um, against Illinois, when we can presume they'll have Coburn back for the rematch at Breslin. Um, those games coming up, there are similar issues that are presented. And and what usually comes into play with those teams against that kind of opponent is 
they're gonna they're gonna have that big man sag. Yeah, you know, I, I mentioned this on I think on the Spartan Mag board. If you remember last year, the the MSU Michigan game that Michigan State won, they won it in part because Rocket Watts had his best game of the year, and and the reason he had his best game is he was getting Dickinson in pick and roll on switches and was making him pay. Mm-hmm. It was less on threes, as Just I like recall, a, more a, like the yeah, a ton of mid rangers. Yeah. But those shots, yeah, and even with Tyson, it's not just the three. Mm-hmm. But those shots are going to be there. You have to be willing to take them. And I thought Tyson was reasonably aggressive offensively. I didn't have a problem with that. He missed some shots, but I thought he – and then the other thing I liked was early in the second half, it was part of Michigan State getting that momentum where they just kind of put put the boot on the throat. Yeah, yeah. Um, where he, he took the ball right at them in mm-hmm. transition. And that's another thing. His first bucket in this game where he split the defense and went right to the rim. I mean, he will show you two or three plays every game. We're like, that is a high level point guard. Yeah. And it just, it hasn't been consistent enough. But once again, the story of about 95% of this year, if, and it wasn't that Tyson was horrible, but if one guy isn't great, usually the other guy is there to to pick up the slack. And that was definitely the case today. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's let lead in with, with Hogard. Um, twenty four minutes, eleven points, two rebounds. And here's the thing: ten assists to one turnover. Yeah, and he got oh, that turnover God. late. It was that bad decision against uh, one one of the few times Michigan's pressure ever produced anything. They kind of got him trapped a little bit, and he tried to go cross court to Malik. Yeah. I think that's where they gave him the turnover. Um, it was unfortunate because he was pitching a shutout. Mm-hmm. Until that, but he was great. I mean, AJ Hogard played a great version of an AJ Hogard game. Mm-hmm. He guarded well. He was under control offensively. He was four for six on the floor. I mean, I again another guy that it seemed every time he had a chance to take advantage of Dickinson, he did. Yeah, he tortured that punk. <laughs> he really and, did. And, and um, on a day where they're oh, man, maybe this is every day, but their perimeter defense was just such a sieve. He that's his game. He just blew by yeah. people every and, you single know, I time. I saw some. I think Michigan fans feel as if they should be sagging. Period off Hogard because he's not a good shooter. Um, but I, I'll tell you something. It's it's interesting because we know AJ Hogard shooting is a weakness. Mm-hmm. I have not seen many teams defend him that way. Yeah. We, we have seen nobody give him the Tum Tum Nairn treatment. Yeah. That just hasn't happened. And I think he's hit, he's maybe hit just enough that teams feel like, eh, we can't be that disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, regardless, they played him a certain way. He made them pay. He yeah. was just under control. A, a great job of distributing the ball. Fine. I mean, there were so many great plays. You mentioned the lob to, to Gabe. Um, there was one in the first half, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he hit where he broke marble. the defense down. Looked the guy. Well, that oh, one. Oh, yeah. Well, that. Oh, but you're talking about the transition one. Where yeah. Marble made a great catch and lay in. Yeah. But but there was also one where he broke the defense down and looked off the defender and hit Max cutting in for a dunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was just a lot of really, really nice, intuitive play from him in the half court and in transition. Yeah. So I, I really, I liked liked AJ's game a lot. I, mm-hmm. I feel like I, I'm trying to remember what the game was. Maybe it was Wisconsin 
where I was saying I felt like that was the best game he'd played all year. I think this supplanted it. Mm. <laughs> he was really, really, really good. And like I say, it was a great, not just a great game, it was a great A.J. Hogard game because he didn't take any threes. He wasn't, there were, there were no jumpers that sometimes aren't even his fault. Sometimes he gets the live grenade in his hands mm-hmm. and has to take a shot. But there was none of that. He wasn't forcing anything, and he was really dialed in defensively. Yeah. So, yeah, not much to argue with, man. He was great. Uh, Malik Hall, 23 minutes, 15 points, six rebounds and assists, five for 12, two for three from three, three steals. Only yeah, one turnover. That was a, I mean, I'm kind of surprised thinking back that he was only five for 12. Um, I think he had some stuff inside, especially early on that got, got disrupted, didn't, wasn't able to finish, mm-hmm. but man, that was a, again, first half, it was he and Max, you know, him late in that half was really a key to Michigan state getting out after Michigan had led for a lot of the half and MSU ends up up four at the half. It was because, in part, Malik Hall kind of took over. Uh-huh. He uh, he played very, very well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't I don't know what else to say. I mean, I th- I thought uh, thought it was another really, really good game from him. And there are stretches, as we all know, where you see what Malik Hall does, and at least I find myself thinking. I think I've said it here. Like, there is a first team All Big Ten player in there. Yeah. There is. I mean, I'm, I'm convinced of that. When you take into account everything he does, the way he guards people, the way he can guard a variety of people, the way he can rebound, the way he shoots, the way he can get himself to the rim off the dribble mm-hmm. with his handle. He's got a post-up game. It's all there. Yeah, three-level score. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And he's been hitting Absolutely. threes at a clip that... <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. But... um you know, you just, you're left. I, it's funny. And this is not a negative. I don't mean it as a, a negative the way it was meant in, in what I'm about to cite. But I watched an interview, and I would highly recommend this to every Michigan State fan out there, or just basketball fan. J.J. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reddick has a podcast, and he just, it was yesterday or the day before, released, it's like an hour and a half interview with Draymond Green. Oh, really? And it's great. It is great. First of all, I because J.J. Reddick's been gone from Duke long enough now, I can feel okay about him. He's actually a very <laughs> smart guy. Yeah. By this. I haven't spent a lot of time really locking into J.J. Reddick, but he was he's great on it. But the conversation that he and Draymond had about just all aspects of the sport of, of basketball at the NBA level was fantastic. But one thing that Draymond was talking about, and I don't think this is the case with Malik, but the bottom line is similar. He talks about how there are guys who don't love the game. And again, I want to stress, I'm not saying Malik Hall doesn't love the game. Um, but he said guys who don't, you know, they both agreed it's a very high percentage of guys in the NBA don't actually love the game. They love mm-hmm. things that come with basketball. They don't love the game. And Draymond was saying, you know, there are guys who fit into that category of a lot of talent. And at the end of a game, you look up and you say, man, he had 20 some points and a bunch of rebounds. He did all these things, but I just wanted a little more. I just felt like there was a little more. And he said, and those guys who don't love the game, that is pretty much what you're always going to be left feeling mm-hmm. is that because they don't love it, they won't put in 
the work to be truly great. They're okay with being good. They won't get through to that next level. And you are left that way. You are left looking at everything they do and say, yeah, this is fantastic, but man, he could think about what he could do. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know what the, what the deal is with Malik. I don't think it's that, but um, I do think the bottom line is similar this year in that you are left looking at Malik Hall as I am today. And the numbers are fine. They're great. And he was a huge part of the win. But I do think there is a first-team All-Big Ten player in there. Yep. So whatever that means in terms of his personal development, what Michigan State does and how they use him, you know, there have been times like in Champaign where Izzo accepted the criticism. He didn't play him enough in the first half. You know, Malik was great in the second, but he only saw seven minutes in the first half, and he said that was the coaching staff's fault. Mm -hmm. So whatever it is, um, if they can unlock that, I still think there's another level for for Malik Hall to go from where he is now, where he's a very good player at this level. I think he could be beyond that. And we'll see if maybe down the stretch he becomes that this year. If it's a next-year thing, I don't know. But Well, and and maybe it's just a product of – also having Joey on the floor, you, you put these guys' numbers together. It's 29 and, and 8. Yep. You know, I mean, at the four. It, yep. And it's like that a lot, you know. Yeah, lately, yeah. Yep. And and maybe that's the I reason think. why they keep going to the small ball lineup. I mean. I Well, I think so because they, you know. You can't afford to have Hall on the bench at the end of the game. You just can't. No, no, you can't. And at the same time, I think in some ways – Joey has been your most reliable option in totality. I, I, I'll say this. I trust him more defensively than I do Julius Marble. Mm-hmm. So when you factor that in, that's going to mean, well, if you can't play Marcus for whatever reason, fouls, he's out, you know, whatever it is, energy, whatever it is, Joey's probably your best option there. And you're yeah. right. The other bonus is you're getting more Malik. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, really good game from him. I, I think he's got another gear to go. Mm-hmm. I, I don't rule out, and I mean, I don't know how I don't know how you feel about it. I don't see a lot of talk about this, but to me, I don't see a reason definitively why Malik Hall couldn't potentially be an NBA player. I really yeah. do think he has that potential. I'm not saying I think it's a slam dunk, but with all the things he does, I, I don't, I don't rule it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he reminds me kind of a well. I don't. This might be a bad example, but what was that? Um, kind of like a smaller forward that played at Ohio State a couple of years ago. Um, Jay Sean oh, Tate, but Bates. Oh, Jay Sean Tate. Yeah, he's had he's some bigger NBA than time. He has. He has. He's been good. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, Tate's a more explosive athlete, but he's also smaller. He's only about six four, six five. But, yeah, in terms of overall, like, different ways he can impact the game, I also think Malik's a much better shooter. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there are, guys, there are guys like that. that. That's a good example, though, in, of the general point that you can never know for sure. Yeah. Nobody would have bet on Jay Sean Tate being an NBA player, and yet he is. Mm-hmm. So I think Malik's got that potential. But more importantly for Michigan State fans, I think he's got another gear that he can get to here. Yeah, You know, we've talked about, well, is is Gabe the alpha now? And then it's been my contention all year that there might be a point as we get into February 
that Max Christie finds a level of consistency and he becomes that go-to scorer. Malik calls in that conversation too. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he, he can to, put people on a, on a swivel down low can, and just that fadeaway uh, jumper is just unguardable. It's he, just, right now. I think offensively he is a much better shooting jump shooting version of what Aaron Henry was last year. They're not using him exactly the same way, mm-hmm. but he can do all the stuff that Aaron did. Mm-hmm. Putting guys on his back and scoring, getting the ball in the mid-range and kind of just using his handle and his strength to get himself into a better shot at the rim. He can do all those things, but he can also hit threes, which Aaron was very inconsistent in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we look at Julius Marble, um, 14 minutes, four points, three rebounds, one assist. I was really keyed into him today because they needed him. Yeah. We knew they were going to need him, especially going against a Dickinson. Yeah. I thought he did all right. He did. He did. I'm I'm with you. I mean, I've been – He held the fort I've been down. critical. I've been critical, um, but I didn't see – I didn't see the defensive issues. Part of it is that – Michigan, Michigan just is not, I think where Julius really struggles is most is out on the floor. Mm -hmm. If you're putting him in pick and roll Michigan, Michigan just didn't do that. I mean, most of what Michigan was doing offensively. And I I mentioned this and I think in the preview, and I think now you see it, um, having watched this game, if you haven't seen a lot of Michigan lately, Mm -hmm. they're running everything through Dickinson, everything. And it's mostly in the post. Now, that was more frequent today than in some other games I've seen, but it's still the bottom line. So it, it played into Julius a little bit more than, say, the Illinois game did because he wasn't asked to get out there and really defend pick and roll all that much. Um, yeah. But, I, yeah, I'm with you. I thought he – look, catch and finish he made on that transition pass from Hogard was top level. Mm-hmm. That was a great individual play by him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, good. Uh, you know, good solid game again. I will, I will mention that you'll notice at winning time it was the small ball lineup. Yeah. And and I think that's the right call. But you're still going to need minutes from Julius anyway. And and more games like this coming up. You got Illinois at home. You got Purdue at home. You got Ohio State on the road. These are games where you're going to need multiple guys and, and yeah. MS needs Julius to play effectively. Yeah. But this was kind of a, a high, you know, this was what you hope to get out of Julius. He defended right. well enough that he wasn't a problem and he got you a couple buckets. He grabbed a couple boards. Mm-hmm. That's I'll live with that. Yeah. I mean, if he can come in and hold his own for a couple big turns, um, yep. that's a, that's a win. That's a plus. That, yep. Um, who else we got here? Jaden Akins, 11 minutes. Three rebounds, one assist. I liked his game. I thought he came in and he played with so much energy. Mm-hmm. He had he had one play on the on the sideline, and I can't remember which Michigan player it was who had the ball. And Jaden, just with his energy and being a pest, turned it into a forced turnover, which, if I recall correctly, led to Gabe's dunk. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just through sheer energy and persistence yeah, yeah. that he forced it. And I thought he played that way all day. I thought he was, you know, he didn't score, but this was a good game from Jaden Akins. Three rebounds is nice in 11 minutes from a guard. 
you know, and, and so he, he his energy showed up on the stat sheet that way as well. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I really like really really liked his game. That's you know that's what you expect to get from him, and they got it. Yep. Uh, Marty got two minutes. Seems like he was in there a little longer than that, but it two did minutes, to but... me too. He he played longer than two minutes. I think that's wrong. But if we take the official stats, two minutes, three uh, three fouls. That's that's a pretty good clip. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I, you kind of need that. That you kind of need that uh, against teams you like do. this. They're going to have to play him. And look, there's a reason he's been getting these first half turns in in other games. Mm-hmm. Um, they need his body out there. They need him. And they're going to against Purdue, against Illinois with Coburn, um, you know, against he, Ohio State where they run, um, you know, they run Key and they run Liddell out there. You're going to need it. And and you just you know today was tough. He wasn't really able to get anything done, as you mentioned. He got. I thought he got kind of jobbed on one of those foul calls. The other two were pretty legit, but um, yeah, it is, it is what it is. You know, he, he, that that armbar that he got called for was yeah. That's where I feel like college basketball should be. I think you should be able to do that. I, I know, I know that's against the rules, but well, I, 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 that's just where I feel like it should be. I don't know. You know, we if as you pointed out. If we're not going to call guys doing what Dickinson did against Hauser, mm-hmm. then yeah. <laughs> if if you're going to let an offensive player do that, just bang that guy down, regardless of whether he's in good guarding position or not, then yeah, you've got to give a defender a chance, in my view. But mm-hmm. you know that's that's not everybody's view. Yeah, you know there are people who just want offense, offense, offense. Uh, so Pierre Brooks gets two minutes, scored a point. Um, Hit a free throw. throw. Yeah. First point against Michigan. Glad to see that. This was really the first time we've had, well, it's been, I guess, maybe not the first time, but it's been a while since we've had, like, the cleanup crew come in, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and Coleman gets a point. He gets a, he gets a great take. Uh, he, looked, he looked good. I, I'm going to. The crowd's chanting, let's play football. <laughs> I have yeah, both he and Malik Carr scored, and, and Keon looked good on uh-huh. that play. I am I'm going to share this. I I have not shared it on the boards. Um, I'm I've been hesitant to do so, but I'm I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, I had a conversation a couple days ago, quick exchange of messages um, with somebody who is related to someone on the coaching staff. And uh, to the basketball staff, I should say. Uh-huh. And so I have generally, I've gotten great information from this person, you know, on a consistent basis. They know mm-hmm. what they're talking about. Um, he said to me the other day that the word is, and, and I've argued against this all the way. Uh, but I may, I may, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't, I haven't purchased a crow to eat, but I maybe got my eye on some <laughs> Um He said that the word is Keon Coleman has been, quote-unquote, holding his own. Now, he didn't go into any specifics. I don't know if that means he's been dropping shots. I don't know if that means he's been guarding people really well. I, look, I still think, you know, you saw today that he got in for a minute. You know, I still think it's a real long shot, but it might be a deal where if COVID hits 
at some point and you lose a guy, mm-hmm. he might be he might be the guy that gets that that gets that turn. Um, this is where them, you know, it's been something we really haven't talked about since the start of the season, but, but losing Jason Whitens, the transfer from Western Michigan for the year. Yeah. Um, that's where it hurts because he would have really given you, I don't think as it's turned out, I don't think he would have played very much because for the most part, Michigan state's three wings have been so good defensively that I don't think there's been much of a reason mm-hmm. to use a guy like that, a non-scholarship guy to kind of you know, teach, which is something I thought might be a role for him, but he would have given you some security in this COVID situation. At least a guy who's played division one basketball, been a starter, all those things, but he's not there. So <laughs> I guess I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent ready to rule out that maybe we would see Keon Coleman in a meaningful and meaningful minute somewhere. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to take very special circumstances, but, I'm, I'm at least glad to hear that the coaching staff has been impressed Yeah, because I, I was not a believer in a, in a perimeter guy. And again, I still don't know what that means. Does that just mean that he's holding his own athletically? He's guarding people well, or does that mean, yeah, he's doing those things and he's also hitting some jumpers, mm-hmm. you know, I don't well, know. But let, anyway, let me just, it was throw, a nice move. Let me throw the editorial take at you. Um, wow. Since these football guys have come on, they've really showed some toughness. hey you know what maybe i mean that's the one thing i thought those guys definitively could add Mm -hmm. was okay it's two more not just at not just bodies but division one athletes i mean they're football players but these are guys who are division one athletes and in in Carr's case i've said this i know malik Carr could have played division one basketball i know that Mm mm-hmm I'm now beginning to become convinced that the same is true of Keon Coleman, but athletically you look at those guys physically, you know, they're put together well enough yeah. and they move well enough that, you know, it's, those are two more legitimate D one bodies that you have to use in practice. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to I, think I, that if they're coming off the football field, there's part of them that says we're going to make these guys tougher. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just, and just well, that I, mindset. I would, I would suspect Izzo has asked them to do that. Right. <laughs> um, I would have felt I would have felt better about your editorial take if we hadn't had the rebounding performance we had today. It was looking good. That's true. It yeah. was Wisconsin and Illinois, but maybe not as good mm-hmm. in uh, in this one. But but point taken. I I I don't see any way. You know, my my pouring cold water on this has mostly been along the lines of people who think that these guys are going to come in and be major contributors. I don't think that. I do think that there's no downside to having athletes like that in your practices every day. Uh-huh. That is going to make your team tougher, hopefully better. I, I'll say this, too. Again, I don't know enough about Keon Coleman to know for sure, but I know Malik Carr in high school was an excellent defensive player. You don't always see that, you know, high school is a different thing. Mm-hmm. I, like for example, when he was at Pershing, I was not aware that Keith Appling could guard the way he did when he got to Michigan state. Cause he didn't really ever, he wasn't really ever asked to do it. Yeah. Um, it's especially true for bigger guys because they don't get tested 
the way that they get tested in college, you know, we mm-hmm. this pick and roll. Hunter Dickinson wasn't exposed in AAU the way he is in the Big Ten with his inability to move, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, but but Malik Carr can guard people. So I was excited about him joining the team just from that perspective. But okay, you're putting a guy who's whatever he is now, six six, two forty something probably, and he can move. <laughs> he's he's a good athlete. And, and he's also a kid who, at least when I saw him play, he was kind of an ass kicker. He was a little bit mean mm-hmm. in terms of the way he played. So, yeah, bring that on. Get that in practice every day. It's going to make Joey Hauser and Malik Call and everybody else better. Yeah. And if yeah. Coleman guards people, which athletically, he's got the body to do it. We know that. Um, but if he can guard people, too, then, they, yeah, there's nothing but upside from having those guys around. Mm-hmm. All right. So the keys, Rod, the rivalry. I thought they handled it really well. I thought it was a, it was the high end of what you hope to see in this game, typically, where they came in and played with a lot of fight and a lot of energy, and you could tell there was a little extra there. But I didn't think they got outside of themselves. Exactly. I didn't think they let it. I didn't think they ever. I never felt like, guys, reel it in, you know. Which sometimes we do see in mm-hmm. this game. There have been years where we've seen it. Didn't see it today. It was note perfect. Yep. Uh, turnovers. Hey, 13-13. Another win. case. So just just like in the Illinois game, though, you have nine in the first half, four in the second. It, it's kind of hard to understand. And once again, most or many of them at least were, you said no idea why they were happening, where they were coming from. Um, but the overall differential Let's put it this way. Given how the rebounding went, thank God yeah, it was even in turnovers. Because if it had been a more typical gap, it would have been a bigger problem. I, Michigan State still wins the game, but um, most likely. But, yeah, that was – that was it ended up okay in terms of the differential, but that, a lot of that is because they were bad too. Yeah. Uh, and then transition. Hey. <laughs> they got some so, stuff done. Uh, uh, we sure did. Again, you I question the fast break point stat, but just because I've got it, I'll give it to people. 28 to 16, Michigan State. And it felt to me like the gap was bigger than that even suggests. I thought Michigan State was just and, – and this has been a – we've talked about Michigan's defense being suspect. Another area they've had a real problem this year mm-hmm. has been in transition defense. And – they don't that's been the case when they have not been seeing teams that run like Michigan State. Well, we saw what happens when they play a team that runs like Michigan State. I mean, do you think that's MSU, why they did that token pressure stuff and like the one three one or one yeah, one three one zone to try to slow that down? Is that why they did that? Um, yeah, in in part it's it's to even if MSU is not purely in transition, it's to force them to use more clock and more focus, more energy, just mm-hmm. getting into their offense. That's what I was saying earlier. I don't think it was intended to um, force turnovers necessarily. I think they're looking to just take Michigan state out of their rhythm. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. And, and especially on a day when Michigan state really didn't rebound defensively the way that we expect even more impressive that they got done what they got done in transition because it was not, the way you draw it up yeah in that respect 
But I thought, yeah, I thought Michigan State, both guards at times, you know, we talked about Tyson Walker having that great take to the rim. Hogard was really good in transition all day. Um, they just, yeah, the Malik Hall had one take. Uh, yeah, he got all a, the way it was either the a rebound yeah. or a loose ball and took it one took it himself, one man break. Um, it was impressive, mm-hmm. and it was exploiting a weakness that Michigan has. So yeah, uh, and then hit shots, fifty five percent from the floor, fifty percent from three, eighty at the line, eighty at the line. <laughs> you yeah, you can't really find fault with that. It was what I figured would happen. You know, the Illinois game was just one of those nights. Where and and credit goes to Illinois for the way they defended. I, they defended better than they do when they have Coburn in there. I, th- I think it makes them um, a little less prone to some breakdowns that I think Coburn causes. Kind of similar to what you saw today with Dickinson. I think mm-hmm. you can make Coburn pay in similar fashion. I think he's better around the rim than Dickinson is, but I I don't think he's very good out on the floor. Um, but Illinois had something to do with that, but I, I didn't think MSU was very good in terms of running their stuff, generating the kind of looks they normally do. And then even when they did, they just weren't hitting. Mm-hmm. So you had to figure a bounce. At least I had to figure a bounce back game was in order. And that's exactly what we saw. Very consistent too. You know, that's the other thing you have to like. So the first half MSU was 15 for 29 from the floor. So almost 52%. Mm-hmm. Second half, 16 for 27, 59%. So they strung it together from three, six for 11 in the first half, three for seven in the second. It, that, that's what you want, you know, that hallmark of consistency that you're never really letting up. And it never felt like Michigan State was going through stretches where they just couldn't find one. Yeah. You know, it was, yeah. it was just really, really relentless the way that they were scoring, I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then defense. I mean, Thirty-seven percent from the floor for Michigan, sixteen percent from three. Yeah, they threw four guys at Dickinson. But you know that's the thing. So you watch that game, and I think a lot of people probably Hunter Dickinson at twenty-five points and killed him, right? Eight for nineteen, though. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Now he did go nine for ten at the line, so you have to factor in the free throw, um, the free throw production. Mm. and say, well, he did a little better than that field goal number suggests. But anytime you're holding that guy under 50%, I think you've done a good job, and they did. And I I think, you know, I said this a couple different times during the game on the message board and on Twitter. The way Michigan State played it, probably is I know people get frustrated by it because I can go back to Purdue games in the past or whatever when when they get frustrated by it but honestly it's the right way to go and and what you see that tells you that is that three for 19 from three because that's what Michigan needed to really have a shot in this game they needed to have another big game from (laughs) three and it didn't happen and I thought Michigan State had a lot to do with that. And um, one of the ones they hit was where Hogard looked like maybe. Yep. I don't think they were like trying to double, but at one point when Marvel was in there and Dickinson was on him, he he was digging, and then he got maybe just Correct. a little too involved in the digging. Correct. So it seemed like a yep. double, and Brooks it was, was the wide one, open. It was the one three that Brooks hit. You're yeah. right. Yep, exactly. And Spinarco mentioned it on the broadcast, but. Um, that was it. That was the one mistake they made. Yeah. Other than that, you know, 
and and look, you can feel like Dickinson was giving them a lot of trouble, and he was, but eight for nineteen. That's a lot of shots. Yeah. He took a lot of shots. And if he's going to be sub 50% taking a lot of shots, I'm going to live with it because that means other guys aren't getting shots. You know, Caleb Houston took six shots. Jones took seven. Brooks took 11, so he took a bunch, but he didn't hit anything. Mm-hmm. You know, Diabate took 10, which is high for him. And then their reserves did nothing. Yeah, so, they really did um, nothing. Yeah, and that's only a, six points. <laughs> Not a surprise because Michigan's bench really doesn't bring much to the table. Yeah. I mean, I've felt, you know, Williams had kind of a gaudy three point percentage coming in. and He was 0 for 2 today. Uh, he didn't do any real damage. He had one basket. Um, you know, Collins, 0 for 2 from the floor, had a turnover, no assist, didn't really do much. Brandon Johns is just, I think we talked about it in the preview, he's just falling off a cliff. And I'm not sure what the deal is, but for his last career visit home to East Lansing, it wasn't a, yeah. wasn't exactly what you'd want to see. And then a Buffkin was the only guy who really did anything. He did manage to hit a three. It was off a um, dig. Yeah, it was off Max Christie digging, yeah. yeah. But you know what? That was one where I was okay with it, and I think they intentionally did that mm-hmm. because Buffkin is shooting like 21%. Yeah. Yeah. Three, so that's how I read that. Is that Max was actually that was not like the play you're talking about. Mm-hmm. That was actually by design. Yeah, um, and the kid hit it, so good for him. But uh, so if yeah, the guy that uh, you're guarding is is a, a less effective three point shooter, you dig a little harder. Is that exactly kind of the idea? Exactly, yeah. And, and you're okay with him taking a shot because mm-hmm. he hasn't proven. You know, the problem is if you're digging off Eli Brooks. Well, Eli Brooks has shot it well enough for five years that. You know, you know that's probably an issue if you're leaving him wide open. Mm-hmm. Even Jones, just because he's more experienced and has had a good year. He wasn't good today, but he's had a good year shooting the three when he shot it. You'd be a little less comfortable giving him a look. Houston, for sure. You don't want him just shooting out. You know, you don't want these guys to become better than they are. You want them to have to earn it. Yeah. And, um, you know, but a guy who's shooting 21% and who's a freshman, eh, let it fly. Mm-hmm. You know, I could live with that. I'm pretty sure that's why Michigan State played it the way they did. But. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, hey, anytime you beat Michigan, it's a great day. Uh, Damn any, right. Any final thoughts? This was awesome. Um, <laughs> it's big win. Puts Michigan State back into a three-way tie for first with Illinois and Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but heading into a big week. And it might not feel like a big week, but it is because you're on the road for two games at Maryland and at Rutgers. Yeah. And I have a feeling these are not going to be pretty games. They're going to be kind of ugly, kind of choppy because mm-hmm. that's how those teams have to play in order to compete. Um, Michigan state, you know, if you want to, if you want to win a big 10 championship, these are the kind of road games that you want to get. I'm not saying those teams are, well, Maryland has not been very good, although they've been better lately. Yeah. Uh, but Rutgers is okay. You know, certainly that's a tough building to try and win in. And so the challenge is going to be big for Michigan state this week. Like they're going to, and, and the Maryland game is kind of on short turnaround. It's on mm-hmm. Tuesday. So, you know, you've got you don't have a lot of time to celebrate this thing because you got to get right back into it. And that's one again. You don't want to let that get away. Yeah, yeah. You know, so if the goal is stay in contention for a Big Ten title, 
this is a big week. Mm-hmm. They're all big now, you know? And unfortunately for Michigan State, the quote-unquote easy part of the schedule is over. Yeah. There's no more games against Penn State, or I don't think. Maybe there is one against Penn State, but it's on yeah, the road yeah, anyway. One more against um, Penn State. You don't, you know, you're done with Northwestern. You're done with Minnesota. I think you're done with Nebraska. I don't think we go to Nebraska this year. Um, but then it's you like know, Wisconsin, so the, Illinois. They're all Iowa. right. They're gonna, yeah. You get Wisconsin, Illinois at home. Okay, good that it's at home, but those are challenging games. You got Purdue at home. You got Ohio State on the road. You know, and that's in addition to the Rutgers and Maryland games on the road. You know, these are this is Penn State on the road. These are challenging. Mm-hmm. So this is where the rubber's going to hit the road for Michigan State. I mean, I think that the last you know eight days, if you go back to that Wisconsin game, have me feeling much better about this team because even the Illinois loss, because <laughs> of the way they competed, the way they defended, the way they rebounded. Yeah. So I do feel much better about where Michigan State is, but they've got to continue to play that way and keep building on this. It's not even close to time to relax. We're, we're just at the halfway point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we'll take this win and celebrate, and we'll get the um, pregame up for Maryland here in the next few days. Until then, the Final Four is not on the schedule. into New Jersey's rich history and diverse heritage. From colonial reenactments and Victorian architecture, scientific breakthroughs to the Underground Railroad, we're the crossroads of the American Revolution, birthplace of the motion picture, and home to the oldest lighthouse in the U.S. Explore our historic museums, view maritime marvels, and travel insightful itineraries. Learn more at visitnj.org history.